users can go in, enter some pretty basic information about where their project is located, what the size of the project is and the use type and some other information about maybe if there's energy bills that they have so we can look at how the, the current building is operating and then go in and enter a few pieces of information about how, how they might uh, upgrade the building if they decide not to build a new building or if they were to decide to build a new building, what that new building might look like. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. This is your host, CCB, and today's conversation is with one of our 2022 Wonder Grant Award winners. And I say one, but it's actually a, it's a combination of a number of folks that uh, that collaborated on this particular project. And interestingly, it's the only project that the Wonder Grant has funded more than once. So we have been very committed to and interested in the the outcomes of this the work of this particular team. So I'm very happy to introduce or welcome Aaron McDade and Lori Ferris to the Wonder Podcast. And I'm going to have each one of them introduce themselves and kind of give a an overview of what their role was on the project. So I'm going to start with Aaron. Aaron, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here to talk about the Care Tool, which is the name of the project. So my name is Erin McDade, and I'm the Senior Program Director for Architecture 2030, which is now the organization who has taken kind of ownership, if you will, of the Care Tool. And for, for people who might not know, just really briefly, Architecture 2030 is a nonprofit working internationally to decarbonize the built environment as a means of um, addressing the climate crisis. Fantastic. Lori, welcome back. Thanks. So happy to join you again. I'm Lori Ferris. I am the Regenerative Renewal Practice Leader at Goody Clancy, an architecture firm in Boston. And uh, I've been collaborating on the tool, on the CARE tool, really in the capacity of someone who works on restoring, renewing existing and heritage buildings as a climate action measure. So really kind of bring that perspective of how, how this can be implemented in practice and planning really by, by users. The project, from a Wonder Grant perspective, came to us initially from Siegel and Strain, and that was Larry Strain, who's another one of the major contributors to the project. And originally it was called, what was it called? It was called the To Build or Not to Build Calculator. Right, um, uh, which was a, a mouthful. And I, I would love for you to kind of take us back the history of why and and as the, you're going to be explaining what it's turned into. So it's a, a kind of a very extensive story that you'll be sharing with us. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot there. So from a purely project perspective, like you said, this was really started by Larry Strain, our, our the third member of the care team here, who is an architect and was approached by folks from a major campus in California saying, we have all these buildings and we're in this, you know, we're at a decision point of, do we try to renovate them to meet our needs or do we tear them down and build new buildings? And we have a climate action plan and obviously, you know, environmental considerations on our campus. And we just don't know if it makes more sense from a carbon perspective to reuse these buildings or not. What's the tool that we should use to check that out? And Larry, you know, thought about it and said, I don't think there is a tool. 
for that. And so as you know, all of us in the world are want to do with our development of new tools left and right, he said, I'll go make one. And so he put together a, a pretty rudimentary Excel calculator. I think he'd be fine with me calling it pretty rudimentary. And he kind of started chopping it around and I sat next to him and um, in Chicago in 2019, I remember very specifically the conference room we were in because Architecture 2030 was hosting a uh, built environment summit and he showed me the calculator and I got really excited by it. I'm kind of a data nerd. I, while I have a, um, an, a background in architecture, I have become one of the, you know, data leads, the main data people at architecture 2030. And that was really my role in the care tool. And I got really excited by the, the embodied carbon side of the data that he had worked on. And I said, I can also add a bunch for the operational carbon side. There's really two pieces looking at emissions from a building. And it kind of just went from there. Um, and Lori, I don't know if you want to chime in and talk about when you joined the project, but you were a critical addition with the preservation background. Yeah, so I joined the project shortly after that. I guess I'll pick up in 2019. I think I joined the team in early 2020, just around the time of the first Wonder Grant that we received. And uh, yeah, my role was really to kind of help expand the the embodied carbon side, mostly around existing building reuse, because there has been so much over the course, over this timeline that we're talking about this project, there's been a lot of development of data um, as well around embodied carbon. And I think the practice of life cycle assessment has really been, there's a, been a, a large uptake, but um, there's still a huge gap around existing buildings and understanding what the carbon footprint of existing buildings or what the avoided impact of reusing existing buildings is. So that's a lot of my role has been in really, you know, understanding the ways in which we do and can reuse buildings to maximize their climate benefits and then to, to try and, you know, get, get our hands on data or develop data if there isn't any to, to put numbers to that. So we're going to, on the webpage of the Wonder Grant section under the um, this particular, you know, the Siegel and Strain Grant, because that's the name that it's under, we'll have access and links to uh, Architecture 2030 and to the CARE tool itself and to the CARE website, which is pretty impressive. And uh, it starts to help people understand very effectively that this is an ongoing effort, that you will continue to collect more information and add more features to the tool. And so how about if you let us know where you are today, and then we can kind of talk about where it's moving in the future. Sure. So we were, we're really excited that at the kind of at the close of the Wonder Grant, and we were, um, we were lucky to get some additional funding in this, you know, last year to support the tool that we were able to officially launch the online app version of the care tool. So, you know, in the intervening time between 2019 and, and today, we have taken that Excel calculator and um, obviously done not only a ton of robust backend work on the data, but also on developing this uh, web app with the um, online interface and the supporting website that you mentioned. Um, and so where we are today is that we have a, in my opinion, pretty easy to use and to understand free open source calculator on the website, caretool.org. And users can go in. You don't even have to have a very in-depth understanding of the building sector and the built environment. Users can go in, enter some pretty basic information about where their project is located, what the size of the project is and the use type and some other information about maybe if there's energy bills that they have so we can look at how the 
the current building is operating, and then go in and enter a few pieces of information about how how they might uh, upgrade the building if they decide not to build a new building, or if they were to decide to build a new building, what that new building might look at or look like. And then pretty quickly, I'd say within you know 10 or 15 minutes, it outputs, the care tool outputs results that show if it makes more carbon sense for whatever time frame the user put in to to build new or to to reuse an existing building and and that's it from a pretty basic perspective but obviously the implications for that are pretty um pretty huge because when you look at decarbonizing the building sector reusing existing buildings is really kind of the the best opportunity that we have to save the most carbon because if we're building new buildings we're emitting carbon to build the buildings and um, with all of the existing buildings we currently have operating, most of them, the, by far the vast majority of them are emitting uh, GHGs in their operating process. And so if we renovate them to get rid of those emissions, we not only are getting rid of those operating emissions, but we're saving all of that embodied carbon that we would have used to build new. So this is a critical climate solution. And so, I mean, I'll let Lori talk about our long and ever-growing list of, of um, kind of enhancements we want to do the tool because the, the potential is enormous. But from, from a basic perspective, one of our biggest goals, I think, is to turn the tool into a not just looking at a single building at a time, but have the ability to look at entire building portfolios. So an entire campus, kind of going back to the origin of the tool for um, from Larry's perspective to also potentially being a, a policymaking or planning application for, for cities and for entire regions to, to start looking at the best way to evaluate and reuse and really take advantage of the carbon that they do have stored in their building stock. Okay, Lori, what do you have to say? Well, I think that's a that's a great a great description of where we are now and the tool that we have available. And I think, you know, the we've been receiving a lot of feedback, which is great from people who are starting to use the tool. And a few themes are emerging for what people would like to see next, which are pretty aligned with what we had with with what you know the development team had been thinking of. And as as Aaron mentioned, the portfolio feature is one that's really important um, to really kind of fully capitalize on the planning potential of this tool. Obviously, it's just it, this is a, a problem of scale when we're talking about decarbonizing the built environment. So being able to use the tool to look at an entire district or or neighborhood or city or campus is really, really powerful. But then we've also heard, uh, you know, questions about scaling down to a single family residence. That's a huge, you know, a huge portion of this where the data we originally had and, you know, most benchmarking data around carbon and greenhouse gas emissions that we had available is, is related to commercial construction specifically embodied carbon data is related to commercial construction. And so that's where we started. But, you know, we've heard a lot of people say, well, what about, what about houses? What about if I, you know, because obviously we're all remodeling our houses all the time. There's also a huge demand on housing every, you know, there are tremendous housing shortages. So that's one area that we're looking to develop next. And the other major area is around geographic range for, you know, currently the data is really only applicable to the United States. And you can work around that to look at buildings in other places. But we've been hearing from people all over the world that they would like this tool to be applicable to their region. So that's certainly high on our priority list as well. One of the things, because I'm kind of a data nerd myself, what happens to all the data? <laughs> The that's a, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. We get that a lot right now. Um, as of now, nothing because the way the tool currently works, um, there it does not save any of your data. And this is a a plus and a minus. And that one of the biggest pieces of feedback too we are getting is that people would like there to be the option to create an account and save projects. Um, that comes with sometimes it can come with concerns with uh, data both 
you know, sensitivity in, in anonymity. Um, and then also, of course, with data quality. And so from, from our perspective, uh, you know, as the tool developers, it would be amazing to have a, a, a vast, you know, resource of data that users are inputting. Um, and if we make this portfolio feature, when we make this portfolio feature, it probably will become necessary to do um, some sort of data saving. But we we will certainly have to navigate the, the confidentiality and the data quality uh, considerations. Hmm. Um, I read on uh, in something, it might have been your report and note to listeners, the report will be on the one uh, on the one workplace wonder grant site so you can access the full report. But uh, the number of users is actually pretty impressive at this moment in time. And also, I'd love for you to um, talk about kind of who are those people, what sectors do they fall into or what professions do they fall into, and then also talk a little bit about the um, the rollout at Greenbuild. So people, how you've got three hundred plus? I don't know how many users. Uh, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say that our our users. I think probably our largest user group right now is architects. Architects are really interested in quantifying this information for our own work and to support our clients. But I know we also have um, building owners using the tool. We have people from related industries. Um, for example, the flood mitigation industry is, has been testing it and is really interested. Um, the preservation uh, preservation sector is really interested as well in this. Um, and that includes um, historic preservation officers, you know, public officials, as well as practitioners in preservation um, educators. There's been a lot of interest of educators. We've had a few people who are, who, you know, professors who are interested in using the, the for their class around um, you know, circular economy or design and deconstruction. Uh, Greenbuild was in San Francisco last November, I believe. And so we were, um, well, to take a tiny step back, um, one of the things that's been really beneficial to the CARE tool, not just from a data um, and kind of development perspective, but also from um, uh, a public outreach and communications perspective is that we've been working really closely with another tool um, and their developers, which is called Epic. Um, and so Epic is being developed by the architecture firm EHDD. And our perception of these two projects is that the they are very um, complementary. And so we we, we frequently co-present with um, the Epic team. And the way we talk about it is that the care would be used for very early decision making. Obviously, you, you were, were asking, are you even going to renovate or tear down a building, much less what, you know, questions about what that will look like. And then the next step of the, um, the, the design process and the tool using utilizing process would be to go to epic and start doing a deeper dive and so um we could you just take one second and explain what the epic tool is just the high level sure i mean and it's 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 comparable to the care tool in that it's a carbon estimator um it's focused not so much on answering the question of um, new construction versus reuse which is what the care tool obviously is focused on answering it's focused much more on um once you've made some of those those really early design decisions then helping understand what um what interventions for the building are going to have the most uh, impact in reducing emissions thank you um, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's and and I strongly encourage everyone to go check out the Epic tool as well. Um, so we we partnered with EHDD to do a, a Care and Epic co-launch co-party at Greenbuild um, at their headquarters on Pier One um, on the San Francisco waterfront. So it was a, a pretty special location, and I think we we estimate we probably had about three hundred to three hundred and fifty people attend for the 
few hour period um we had two two demo rooms set up an epic demo room and a care demo room um and so Lori Larry and myself were kind of rotating out through the care demo room um giving live demos while we also played a uh, uh, pre-recorded um slideshow with um some pre-recorded demos on there and our room was full the entire time it was it was pretty I mean I was having a really great time actually in there because I was taking like live suggestions for okay what okay what used to have we're gonna look at this time we'll do uh we'll do a K through 12 school with a bowling alley and then we're gonna renovate that to be uh an aquarium with a bar <laughs> it was it was a it was a pretty uh it was a, I mean, genuinely a really fun and entertaining way to introduce people to the tool and to start um you know engaging people in the conversation about building reuse and about what the you know whole carbon conversation and story is about there are uh there are so many organizations that are kind of invested in this that it 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 uh, not only does it create viral moments because information is being shared across a number of different organizations, but um, it uh, it almost feels like there's some kind of uh, energy. There's way more energy behind it for sure, but some kind of energy for the continuation of the project. And um, we want to speak to that just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I think there there are a lot of ways that we could talk about that. We've already addressed our our list of of um you know of upgrades and additions to the tool that is our our dream list. I think it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive to us actually how much that this has become a, a whole initiative. I mean, right now it's we we are just joking about this at our team meeting this week. It's living under architecture 2030, which we didn't even talk about actually for for a number of years. Larry, Lori, and myself were simply working on this um you know on our free time. We are essentially moonlighting it. Um and so it was it was pretty great to have architecture 2030 my org um uh, formally take it on and formally um take over the process of helping us do for example a lot of the fundraising and a lot of the outreach and communication because it's just um significantly sped up the process of getting this tool developed and put out there. And um, we are, I think, all overwhelmed in a positive way by how uh, how much interest and how much excitement and how many ideas there are um, for how this tool could be utilized in all of these different ways. We've been approached by folks who would like to um, turn it into a kind of really high-level carbon calculator and embed it on their websites. We have a lot of people really interested in seeing if we can incorporate in um, environmental justice and equity considerations. Um, always the question of cost comes up. You know, is there a way that we can quantify this from both a carbon perspective and a cost perspective and an equity perspective in an ideal world? Um, it is, you know, then we we think about all that and we think about scaling internationally. We think about looking at it from not just a single building, but a portfolio perspective and um I I'm really excited by the potential for this, I think, because I mean, building reuse is just going to be a crux of solving the climate crisis through the built environment. And so, uh, yeah, really, really impressed with how far we've gotten with it. Lori, did you have something you want to say? Well, I think it's clear, Aaron, from the way you're describing these really big challenges that the people want the tool to address that there are just so many industries and sectors and professions grappling with how to address the climate crisis well, through the built environment. And um, I think because the tool is um, is so high level and, and easy to use and flexible, it can answer, it has the potential to answer so many questions and to be used in so many ways. So, um, you know, I think there is a lot of excitement and energy 
and momentum um, from so many different groups, you know, from commercial real estate and public agencies and, you know, the heritage community. Um, we've had interest from UN Habitat and C40 cities and, you know, it's and it, down to the single, you know, down to the single homeowner. And um, so, yeah, it, it's really, there's a lot of energy. It's really exciting and really overwhelming to, <laughs> you know, try and prioritize where to, where to take things next. Well, it's a much better, it. I was going to say, that's a much better problem to have than, you know, trying to get it moving in the first place. Because it's so delightful to hear the, you know, the inertia principle in action that it's moving forward and, you know, has continuous movement. So on the, on the care.org website, there's the, um, or what's it's, is it care care tool? Care tool. Care tool. Well, I have it on, we'll have it on, on, on the link on the website, but on the website, it actually outlines very, very clearly the kind of next steps and what kind of, um, action you're looking for. And obviously has places for donations. If people are interested in joining that, um, that kind of funding, um, and being a part of, uh, Architecture 2030, which is a nonprofit, then obviously that's a those are write-offs. Are there are there um all this enthusiastic wave? Is there is there still an area or a, a segment of the population that needs convincing? Well, that's an interesting question. Question. Yeah. Um so I liked from from my role at 2030, I think I'm in a pretty privileged position in that I primarily get to work with the already convinced. Um, and and my I consider my job very, very much to uh to provide the momentum and support to to scale the impact of the already convinced and to not uh convince the unconvinced. So that is not really a conversation that has come up for me through the lens of care. Um and, and nor does it usually in my job. And I'm just curious. Uh, one of our other uh, grantees this past year was working on um, using mass timber in life science building construction to to minimize carbon. And uh, and it was really interesting just to have the conversation with them and say, you know, who are I mean, from a life science industry perspective, those folks are environmentally concerned and sustainability concerned. And so there's a whole audience that is uh, much more open to it. However, there are folks that are less. Uh, and I'm, and you just kind of wonder who, who are those people and how do we, you know, help convince a broader sector of the population that that's the right thing to do? You know, it does actually, that does make me think of a, a pretty interesting thing that has actually been shifting dramatically. And I think it kind of goes to show the timeliness of care. Um, so, and Lori can maybe speak to this more as a practicing architect, but I know there has um, historically been a, a reticence in much of the architecture community to do building reuse. Um, architects frequently consider themselves designers of new construction, which of course is not, you know, a comprehensive definition of what it means to be an architect. Um, but fascinatingly, um, and I don't know if it's fully due to the pandemic, who, who knows what it's due to, but um, we reached in the U.S. the tipping point on architectural buildings where we actually are building more for building reuse than we are building for new construction. So um, I think in the past we might have we might have faced more resistance from the design community in particular about this, but I really think the design community's perception of our role um, in this, you know, in 
addressing climate change and addressing all of the other issues that are correlated to the building sector, like, um, you know, Lori was talking about our housing crisis, that kind of thing. Um, it's really shifted into understanding that reuse is, uh, whether we like it or not, it's going to be something that um, uh, many, many, many architects and um, other, you know, construction industry professionals are undertaking. I do think, though, there's, there's still a huge um, challenge to overcome in the perception that well, I think people are sort of, we're hardwired to want shiny new things. It's just, it's really ingrained in our culture to want new, new, new. Um, it, you see that with clients, it's much easier for them to fund new construction, building owners, to fund new construction than to fund, you know, replacing light bulbs and fixing leaky pipes. Um, people, you know, when we talk about density, we often, there's a general, um, you know, a general understanding that to make if you have a single family house and you need, you want to fill two families on that lot, you should start by tearing down that one house and then building a duplex. Um, you know, there's just this, that that's how we've been trained to think that, that, um, you know, we need to start over. But I think, you know, as Aaron says, I think we are starting to, to see a general recognition of the importance of reuse. Um, and I think, I do think the care tool is really timely as we're starting to um, encounter all of the new building performance standards and energy codes and and uh, carbon neutrality policies that are emerging, um, we have to we have to account for the embodied carbon associated with those policies. And that's really not happening yet in any holistic sort of way. So I think that providing a tool that allows people to do that in a simple and low cost way will really help move things forward. At least that's my hope. Um, I think your hope will probably be uh, will come to fruition because um, I, I mean, to your point, um, there is so much more focus and and uh, awareness and energy going towards sustainable construction, sustainable design. Um, I know at uh, the IIDA, so Interior and International Interior Design Association, Northern California has a climate action committee, and it's a, a coalition of architects and designers in the Bay Area from across all firms, including HDD, um, talking about how can we, what what do we need to know to up our education? What do we need to know to um, improve our conversations with our clients? So without a doubt, I mean, there I'm sure there are pockets of the world that are maybe not as aware, but there's it, it's almost like you cannot escape it. So so I think all the tools that uh, that we're providing and the care tools specifically are are incredibly valuable at this moment in time. So speaking of time, we're at the end. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience that we haven't really addressed? I would just encourage everyone to go actually look at the tool and play around with it. Um, I obviously am biased, but I think it's genuinely fun to play around with the tool and to, to look at how some of the inputs change the outputs. And like I said, you really need a very basic level of understanding of how buildings work to be able to um, at least play around with the tool. And uh, if you have any interest in providing any feedback or um, supporting us, all that information is there. And we, we genuinely love to hear the feedback. It's been incredibly valuable for us in making development decisions. That's fantastic. And thank you so much too, to being supported twice by Wonder. This has been incredible in getting, uh, getting this tool developed so much more quickly than I think any of us imagined we would have been able to. That's delightful to hear. Lori, you get last words. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I'll echo what Aaron said. I think yeah, just check out caretool.org, play around with a tool. Um, I think it's it's really helpful. We found in in um recalibrating our own own intuition about the carbon footprint of building reuse, 
uh, compared to new construction and just of reuse on its own. Um, so, you know, use it to test out some of maybe your, your preconceptions about the way we reuse buildings, the environmental impacts, and please send us your feedback and let us know how it's, how it's working for you, how it's not, and really how it's helping you um, make, you know, make real impact in your work. Fantastic. Thank you, Lori Ferris and Aaron McDade. I am going to say this year for this past year, 2022, for the Wonder Grant was the first time that we actually put a theme out and said we would like uh, we would like thoughts, projects, uh, concepts related to ESG. And we're completely delighted with the information and the um, the output that has come forward in, in a way that's going to lift all of us in different areas across the design community and the, the built environment. So um, I'm going to say goodbye from the Wonder Podcast. There will be other 2022 Wonder Grant Award winners that you can listen to, and it's on all streaming services. So have fun. Take care. Bye-bye.